So close your eyes for a few minutes and settle back. Know that you have within you a deep source of wisdom to which you can turn. Find the child inside of you. Welcome to Nature Magic. Today I'm talking to Nancy Strinisty as part of our mini series of Nature Educators. Nancy has a lot of amazing advice to offer. She is Director of East Coast Programs for Green Schoolyards America and Founder and Principal Designer at Early Space. Nancy has a unique background as both a landscape designer and an early childhood educator, and she's worked with schools, childcare centers, municipalities, and organizations across America to create beautiful, sustainably designed natural play and learning spaces. Hi, Nancy. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Where are we talking to you today? Hi there. Um, I'm from I'm in Ar Arlington, Virginia, which is right across the river, the Potomac River from Washington, D.C. What's the weather like in Washington today? It is a beautiful blue sky autumn day in Washington today. Ah, it was sunny this morning, but now looking out, it's gray and it's wet. Oh. Nancy has written a brilliant book about designing nature play for children. So we're going to get back to that. But I would love to hear how you got into this line of work. I know you were a teacher and what inspired you from childhood and how did you become a landscape designer? Just a little bit to put the listeners in the picture. Sure. Well, um, yeah, I started out as an early childhood educator um, and I have an undergraduate degree in that field from many decades ago. Um, and as a teacher, I got really interested in the role of the physical environment as the curriculum, especially for young children. So I started reading and, and doing workshops and learning about it and eventually decided to go to design school and, um, and study design through the lens of, of creating spaces for children. So at first I was working on both indoor and outdoor spaces um, but then eventually I went to graduate school and got a degree in sustainable landscape design. And so for the past decade or so, that's been my focus, designing natural play spaces for children. Yeah, that's so interesting. So you had the background as a teacher. And when you went to design school, you already knew what area you wanted to work in. So um, it really has honed it down. And I, I've read your book, Nature Play at Home, which I recommend to everybody. And the amount of detail in the book, how did you become a nature lover? Do you remember anything from childhood that sparked that kind of inspiration? Yeah, well, I think like many people in my generation, I was allowed to, to play outside and to roam far and wide. And, and the rule was just to come home when the streetlights came on for dinner. Um, so I had a lot of freedom as a child and I grew up in, in Massachusetts in a suburb, um, you know, kind of, there wasn't a lot of open nature space, but there were lots of kind of secret spaces, little pathways behind garages and hiding places in among shrubbery and things like that. And, um, and I think those had a, had an impact on me feeling a real connection and, some ownership of those places. And then as a mom, when my children were young, 
just knowing how they thrived outside in nature. And we always did a lot of gardening and they did a lot of digging and building. And we lived in a place where they could catch salamanders and frogs and butterflies. And, and it was really delightful to me as a mother. And, and I know that it really had a huge impact on them growing up. Oh, lovely. And do you or did they have a favorite plant or animal that you might like to mention? It's always interesting to hear about different places around the world and what's local to the area. I would say the thing that I love the most as a landscape designer, um, well, and, and as, a, as someone who enjoys the outdoors, is, is fragrance and scent. So the plants that I love the most are some of the things that I can grow in my in my suburban DC yard are um, gardenias and lilacs and things that um, I think the fragrance just really touches my soul and I and I love that and and also they those fragrances especially lilacs link back to my childhood and send me right back to a favorite favorite clump of lilac bushes in our yard growing up oh that's a lovely one to pick yeah and going through the book you have sections on connecting by smell sound touch taste and I can see the smell section is really detailed and there's fantastic lists of plants that you can put in and lots of examples but every section I mean even the you know the sound section there's a beautiful picture of a little a tongue drum is it it's a yeah. drum on the side of the road. I'd never heard of a tongue drum. I had to Google it. Yeah, it's very, very melodious and, and pretty. And, um, you know, sometimes percussion can be really fun for children, but not fun for the people around listening to. <laughs> so, um, so I love these particular drums. Um, I think they're made in, in different cultures around the world. Mine is made by a colleague of mine in Georgia, um, in the state of Georgia in the US. And um, he has a company called Soundplay. And so I bought one of his drums and I have it out in front of my house, right next to the public sidewalk. And the kids in the neighborhood walk by and play the drum. And it just makes us so happy to hear them out there doing that. Yeah, I thought that picture was so cool. It's literally set into the side of the pavement or the sidewalk, as you call it. And then the little, what you call the little beaters are tied on. So people obviously don't walk away and play with them somewhere else. And, and it's a sort of a wooden drum, is it? The top is made of wood. And then the, the base of it is made of a composite, like, um, like recycled plastic water bottles mixed with sawdust, I think uh, is the material. Yeah, such great ideas. And you have, I won't tell everybody all the details of the book, but I love the pizza tray uh, path, making it, making oh, a path yeah. out of the pizza boxes. I mean, that is such a cool idea. Do you want to explain to the listeners how to do that? Yeah, that's um, the idea is to make stepping stones for the garden by using the, the cardboard boxes that, I, I don't know how pizza comes in where you are, but where I am, it comes in these cardboard boxes that you can save and reuse by pouring concrete um, into the box. And then children make handprints or leaf prints or press little stones and shells and gems and things into it. And then 
when the concrete dries, you peel away the cardboard and you have this, um, this concrete stepper that you can, you can set into the ground and make a little pathway. Yeah, so some really easy ideas. And the whole book is very inspirational from the start with, you know, the importance of the entrance into a play space. And then you talk about the paths and all the planting and sounds. And it really leads you through the book and the amount of information and beautiful images as well. It's really, really great. I learned so much from it. Well, thank you so much. Um, apart from the lilac bush that you loved as a child, have you had any other profound experiences in nature or perhaps with children in these play spaces, if there's anything that comes to mind? Um, well, I guess I, when I think about that, when I think about um, a spiritual connection to nature, I just think about that sense of awe that, that nature can create and for me, living, as I said, in a fairly built up suburb of Washington, DC, whenever I can get to a place where, where the sky is big and um, I can see stars and clouds and sunsets, I, I feel so nourished and calmed and, and that sense of awe. And, and here where I live, the, the Potomac River is, is nearby. And so I do take lots of walks along the river and the, the, the memorials across the river in Washington, D.C. are really beautiful, but it's the sky and the sunsets that are just so powerful. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast by Eckhart Tolle the other day, and he, he coined a phrase which I thought was just so good, at the dimension of spaciousness. Yes, yes. And that so was how he was calling heaven, the dimension of spaciousness. And when you have those large skies and those large landscapes, it really is awe-inspiring. It is, it is, and that's so important. Um, and I think I write about that in the book, that that sense of, they call it reverie or awe. I think that experience is so essential for children to have as a way to really connect to nature, to the natural world, is to experience that sense of awe and how big the world is and how big the sky is. And Absolutely. It's also so important for children to meet those natural elements that they mightn't get to meet if they were in an indoor classroom. And you talk about the water play and even the dry riverbeds. And what do you think is the best way that children engage with water, for instance? Um, hmm. Well, I think... I think having having access to water is the most important thing. And and so the work that I do and I design schoolyards, a, a lot of my work is designing schoolyards because children don't have the right to roam and to explore the environment in the same way that that probably both of us did as children. And so I feel like bringing nature to the places where we do let children play is really essential and and so including water and dirt and mud and plants and all those materials in the spaces that I design I think is really essential and there's water has tremendous play value and then when you combine it with with sand or soil it adds even more play value and of course it has to be manageable for for the adults, for the, the teachers and the caregivers. So the water features that I designed tend to be 
you know, pretty small, just a little trickle of water. And there are instructions in the book for these mosaic streams that are made of concrete with lots of little sparkly things embedded in the concrete. So even when there's not water flowing through them, they're a beautiful kind of focal point in the space and an artistic element in the space. Yeah, they really jumped out at me. I really want to go and make one immediately. <laughs> um, I know the adults have to sort of manage the water play a bit, but there's lots of uh, there's lots of things in the book about how you can um, play with water. And obviously, when we were children, we could go out to a local pond or something and play away, and the adults were inside doing their cooking or whatever they were doing, <laughs> not worrying about us. But that doesn't happen anymore. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So um, I know you do so much by designing these play spaces for children to get that connection. And obviously that develops the um, love of nature and the compassion for nature and a love of conservation. Um, what other positive actions can you suggest that people might do themselves for nature or for their children to encourage them to support nature? Um. Well, I think through the lens of sustainability, um, my focus is on a few things. Here in the US, native plants and invasive plants are a huge issue. And native plants being the plants that evolved here before um, on this continent before colonization. And, and those are the plants that evolved alongside the insects that live here. So they provide food for the insects. And then in turn, the insects are food for songbirds. So if you like songbirds, which I certainly do, planting native plants is a way to support them. Um, but also I know in the US, monarch butterflies are endangered and kind of on the edge of extinction. And, and so the only plant that the caterpillars of monarch butterflies can eat is milkweed and a few varieties of milkweed. So I encourage everyone to plant a little milkweed in their garden or on their schoolyard as a way to help support those butterflies. But almost um, lots of different butterflies and insects have particular plants that they need to eat. So thinking about that as you're planting. And then the other thing that I really think a lot about as the planet warms and the climate changes is providing shade for our children and I think that that's something that we can all work on is restoring the the tree canopy wherever we are planting trees and and trying to remove impervious surface um, are all things that we can do in our own gardens and and also in schoolyards to help children in those and adults in those places feel better and make the environment better, but also for the long term, those are important steps to take. Yeah, I'd, I'd never thought of shade as an actual important um, thing to consider. And talking about the songbirds, there's lovely pictures of bird blinds in your book, and yeah. the kids are peeking through little holes and, and watching the birds at their feeders. So I thought that was a lovely idea as well. We're going to put your book nature at home in the show notes um is there any other book that you'd like to recommend um for the listeners 
Yes. Well, I I recently started a new um, a new job. So I'm still I still design outdoor spaces for children, but I work part time as the director of East Coast programs for an organization called Green Schoolyards America, and our work is focused on helping schools and school districts create outdoor learning programs so that the things that that I do in my design work can happen on a broader scale um, so that there's equitable access to nature. And, and my colleagues at Green Schoolyards America are authors as well. So we're very proud that four of us have written books. Um, so the, the classic um, is called Asphalt to Ecosystems by Sharon Danks. And it's the subtitle is Design Ideas for Schoolyard Transformation. Lovely. And, um, that's an incredible book. And then um, my colleague, Rachel Pringle, along with, with a co-author Arden, Arden Buckland's Forer wrote, How to Grow a School Garden, a Complete Guide for Parents and Teachers. And then the most recent book that just came out earlier this year is called Schools That Heal, Design with Mental Health in Mind. And it is just a really profound, beautiful book about all the research that's out there about how nature helps our, improves our mental health and can help with anxiety and depression and all different mental health issues that we know our children, especially our adolescents are suffering from greatly. And the question is why we're not using that research as we design schools and schoolyards. And so Claire, the author Claire Latinay, um created this beautiful book that I hope is read far and wide by the people who decide about how to design schools um, across the world. It really it's really important information. So I recommend all three of those. Oh, fascinating. We'll put them in the show notes and I can't wait to have a look at them. They do sound amazing. And the mental health issue is so important. People talk about it and it's a bit like Greta Thunberg said, blah, 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 blah. There's an awful lot of talking and actually yeah. nothing is changing. Yeah. And simple things could be so impactful and, and time even like we know now that possibly one in 10 children have ADHD and maybe this classroom setting isn't pop, isn't right for them. And maybe they need to walk around and learn. Exactly. And maybe we need different kinds of spaces. And these are our creative people that we need. We need the creatives now. Absolutely right. Yes. Yeah, wonderful. Um, I hadn't prepped you for this, but there is a lovely guided visualization in your book. And I was wondering, would it be possible for you to read it to the listeners? I thought that was just such a, a good idea for adults to get back into the mind because people feel that they don't know how to connect with children, which they do, of course, because they were children. It's just a mindset. They do. You are here because you're a professional or a parent who knows and cares about children but we all share another type of expertise. We are all former children. This is an activity to help you get back in touch with what you knew as a child about spaces and places to help you remember what was magical. So close your eyes for a few minutes and settle back. Know that you have within you a deep source of wisdom to which you can turn. 
Find the child inside of you. Picture yourself. Look down and see your little feet, your small arms and hands. Imagine how it felt to be that busy little person. When you can see yourself as that small person, imagine that you're back in a favorite spot from your childhood, a special place from anywhere, anytime, a place where you might've felt happy or safe or content or free. Remember it, let your mind take you back there. Think of the details, how it looked, what you could see when you were there, the colors, the light, the objects, the textures. How did it feel? What was above you and below you? Remember the sounds, the smells, the temperature. Think of what you did when you were there, who you were when you were there, and what you liked. And now slowly, when you feel ready, come back here and open your eyes. That was beautiful, Nancy. Oh, thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. Uh, I was straight back to one of my favorite memories, which is building dams at my grandparents' house in a little brook uh, with sticks and stones and the water was kind of brown but clear but the bottom of the bed was brown lots of stones and the smell was kind of cow pats <laughs> which do you know what cow pats are <laughs> yeah and my brother's there and my cousin I remember got in a lot of trouble because she was in a very nice summer dress and I was in oh. jeans and she got really muddy so <laughs> So were there any adults around when you were? No, um, they were there somewhere, but no, we were just left. As long as we came back for dinner, they did bang a huge kind of a drum. <laughs> and we, we were late one time. We got in such trouble because myself and my cousin, uh, we got wet. And we decided the best thing to do would be to take off our clothes and hang them on a bush to dry. But, you know, clothes don't dry that quickly. <laughs> and they, they didn't actually dry, but we were late for dinner. So we got in a lot of trouble about that. Oh, but um, no, it was mostly just go out and play. My, my friend, I think both of our friends, Jan White, um, taught me about a theory that, that has really informed my understanding of people's memories from their childhoods and those experiences that they that they've had in their childhoods. Do you want me to tell you about that? Yes, one? please. That's interesting. Yeah, it's called habitat theory. And the idea is that there are these certain kind of archetypal elements of the environment that children interact with that are important in children's play because they're connected to our survival evolutionarily. So, so the fact that you remember water and playing close to water is one of those archetypal elements. And obviously our ancestors needed a connection to water to survive as a species. And, and some of the other ones are the experience of getting up high, um, it's called prospect, getting climbing a hill or climbing a tree and looking out over the environment uh -huh. is something that's 
incredibly appealing to children, but also to our ancestors was the way that they could understand the environment and spot danger or or spot resources that they needed. And so, so that's another experience. And then um, another one is collecting and, and harvesting. So lots, I've done this, this activity, this guided visualization with, with probably thousands of people. And, um, and often one of the things they remember is, is collecting or foraging outside. And, and obviously that's connected to our, our, our primitive ancestors. And then I think another, the last one that I'll tell you about is, um, is pathways. And just the experience of following a pathway is something that's often really memorable to people. And, and, and again, was important because pathways lead to where other people have been before. And so there's probably something important and something good. Oh, and wait, one more is shelter building and finding like those little enclosed protected spaces is something that is really important to children and appealing to them. And so all of these things, I think, tell us so much about the experiences that children today need in their play. And, and that informs my work as a designer when I'm creating these spaces and thinking about providing all of those really kind of essential experiences yeah fascinating and you have a lovely section on fort building uh, and building special little comfortable places in nature which is so important i could talk forever about the book but let's get people to buy it and look at it because the ideas even for your own garden or for a preschool garden or a school garden or a school outside place are just amazing there's so much in there um, my last question is always, if you had a magic wand, what would you like to do for the planet today? Have you an answer for that one? Oh, well, I think I talked about this a little bit before, but the idea of, of protecting trees, um, saving the trees that we have and planting lots more and, and ripping up lots of pavement. Um, we have these urban heat islands all over the planet and shading them so that people are cooler is I think gonna be really essential as we go forward and hopefully we can arrest climate change and global warming but that's something that I think we need to do to protect ourselves and children and the planet is is protecting trees. Yeah, that is so interesting. And bringing shade as such an important part of this, you know, fight for biodiversity and climate change. Um, it's a great one to think about. Um, is there anything else you'd like to tell the listeners about your book or uh, what your future plans are or anything for their own children that you'd like to mention before we go? Oh, that's lovely. Well, I think the thing that I've been thinking a lot about the past year and a half since we've all been dealing with this pandemic is the importance of loose parts for children in their play. Um, just because there's so much that's out of children's, out of all of our control through this pandemic experience that we're, that we're going through and having loose parts and things that children can build with and that give children a sense of empowerment and the ability to kind of 
change and have some control over their over their little piece of the world i think is really it's always been important for children to have the opportunity to do that but especially so in the times that we're in so that's that's something that i think i would like people to take away from this and loose parts can be almost anything that that children can use and move around and carry around and use to build with yes and just to make it visual for the listeners there's a lovely picture in the book of well it's a child under a tree and there's lots of slices of logs in different sizes and blocks of wood and you know piling it up and building castles and um it's simply made out of a fallen tree so you know it doesn't have to be expensive or high tech tree cookies tree cookies Oh, I was going to say, we call those tree cookies, those slices of trees, but also sticks and branches and um, even just piles of leaves now that it's getting to be autumn that kids can use, arrange and build little rooms and enclosures outside and blankets and boxes and crates and planks and boards and shells and I could go on and on. There's lots of lists in the book. Yes, immersing yourself in a pile of leaves was one suggestion, which I think is a good one. <laughs> um, where can people find you or can you direct them to your website and your book and everything like that? Absolutely. My website is earlyspace.com. Um, and there's a contact us button on, on there. My book is, I think, available everywhere books are sold. Of course, Amazon but you know, hopefully lots of independent booksellers as well. And, um, and then, as I mentioned before, I'm now working with Green Schoolyards America and their um, website is greenschoolyards.org. And we have um, an amazing, what we call the National Outdoor Learning Library that we've been working on creating all during the pandemic that has um, hundreds of tools and resources and templates and articles for schools who want to create outdoor learning programs. So I would I would recommend that as well. That sounds amazing. And just before we go, I'll, I'll read out the title, the full title of the book. Again, it's Nature Play at Home, Creating Outdoor Spaces that Connect Children with the Natural World by Nancy Strinesty. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nancy. It was wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. It was really lovely to get to talk to you all the way over in Ireland. So. Yes, and hopefully we'll see you here someday. I would love it. News this week is that Borough Nature Sanctuary has won silver in the Energia Sustainable Family Business Awards. A nice acknowledgement for our team after a difficult couple of years. Please subscribe to the podcast to increase our reach. This week, we got a lovely five-star review. Amazing and informative. I love tuning into the show and learning about all sorts of new things. The show has so much diversity and is suitable for all ages. Great work. We also got a few heartwarming private messages and emails. So thank you all for your support and feedback. If you like the podcast, please write a review as it helps to spread a positive voice for nature.